Maybe then you can see me and I can see you Maybe then we'll come together as a people Tired of the pain cause it ain't new Let's come together as a people Even if we don't share the same view Welcome to the Jesus and Everything Foundation podcast. On this show, we look at all problems affecting the world and we discuss how we can solve them using the character of Jesus, unity, and decentralization of resources available to us. The character of Jesus, or as I like to call them, the Jesus character principles, are principles that whether you are a Christian or not, we can all agree on these principles. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. For every episode, we discuss a problem topic from our category list. You can find this list on the Foundation's website, jaef.foundation. We ask ourselves and listeners, what is the goal? What is the vision for this problem category? What are the potential solutions? What are the obstacles? What resources do we need? And what resources do we have? But most importantly, do these solutions and resources pass the character test? The nine Jesus character principles? If yes, then we move on to collaboration. What does this look like? This show is a platform to get the ball rolling on as many problems affecting the world as we can. We want to go beyond just talking about problems. So after the show, we collaborate by acting. First, we open the discussion floor to our listeners. Then we decentralize and open source all of our resources from brain power, manpower, utilities to capital. Before every episode, I like to ask our viewers and listeners, do you ever ask yourself, where are we going? Where is this world going? Time keeps on ticking, the day ends, a new dawn arises, and life goes on. But what is our destination? Do we have any global objectives that unite us when it comes to things like food, security, healthcare, education, or standard of living? It's a fair question to ask. If you work for a company or work for yourself, you have a general idea about your company's vision. Goal. So what is our goal, our overarching vision as the current residents of this planet? What role is your company, your city, your country playing in the big picture? And what role are you who's listening to this playing in this big picture? Welcome to this series called The Importance of God's House. It's under our Spiritual Corner category. You can find the full list of topics we shall cover under this category on our website, jf.foundation. That is 
jaef.foundation. In this series, I sit down with our special guest, Christian, to discuss why it is important, if not critical, that Christian believers should keep the habit of going into the Lord's house. Some call it the temple of the Lord, while others call it church. Our guest, Christian, will share the benefits of maintaining this habit. He also cautions Christian believers who have fallen into the trap of attending online church, believing it can make up for in-person attendance. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 is very clear. It says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. It also says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day of his return approaching. So scripture is clear, let us not forsake or neglect to assemble as is the habit of some, but admonish, warn, urge and encourage one another even now more faithfully as we see the day of his return approaching. Christian also shares that the most important thing we should all carry with us to the house of God is our expectation of him to move mightily in our lives during service. For many Christian believers today, going to church has become a checklist item for the end of the week. They have no zeal, desire, and worse, they don't go into the house of the living God with any expectation of him impacting and changing their lives through his wonder-working power. And with the rise of dead churches all around the world, churches where the power of God isn't manifested or experienced by their congregation, no wonder outsiders have now put the God of the Christian faith in the same bracket as other gods. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4, that my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He also adds in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 20, that for the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5, Paul reemphasizes that our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. Because the only differentiator between religions and what has always separated the living God of the Christian faith from all other gods has always been his power manifested through miracles, signs, and wonders. In this series, Christian exhorts that the reason we aren't witnessing God's power as often as we should is primarily due to low expectations, poor attitude, poor heart posture, and appearance in the house of God. However, Christian shares the four key principles on how every Christian believer can rekindle the fire of the expectation and see God manifest his power in their lives every time they go into his presence in the house of God. We hope this series blesses your heart so open up your heart and mind and let's dive in.
Christian, welcome back to the show. It's it's great to have you on here as always. Hey, thanks a lot for having me again. So we we are going to talk about something of great importance, something that a lot of Christians should be attuned to. Many Christians take this subject very lightly, right. but we can see throughout scripture that this is something that we should be very serious and intentional about. And our subject today is on the importance of God's house, specifically the importance of going into God's house. Mm. Now, I know that right now, since the COVID lockdowns, many Christians have picked up a bad habit of not going into the house of God because they believe that they can stay at home and still receive the anointing. But we are going to address this issue because we as believers, I believe should hold each other accountable. And scripture also talks about in Hebrews forsake, not the assembly of yourselves. Mm. Now, before we can really dive into the meat of this, I, I just wanted to, you know, uh, just from, if you were to just kind of sum up the last two years for us, and um, one of the things that I think we discussed, uh, I think it was off the air, was why do you think, you know, Christians, even with the lockdowns now behind us, are really not, going back into the house of God. And, and I think one of the things that you did mention was um, the, it could be one or two things, either they're lazy and not seeking God with all their heart, or there's this belief that has crept into um, the Christian walk of faith that there is really no difference between in-person attendance and you know, attending church online. So from, from what do you have to say to this? Well, first and foremost, um, the lockdowns, uh, Christians in whatever region or country they're in, they really had no choice but uh, to stop attending God because, you know, those are governmental laws. 
And the Bible says to uh, uphold the law of the land. So there was a period in time where they had no choice and they had to go to uh, at-home services. That being said, after the lockdown was uh, finished and the restrictions were removed, what was shocking is that many of those Christians remained home. Um, mm -hmm. Far too many. And the restrictions were removed and they were able to come back and they decided not to come back. Maybe it was a convenience thing. Mm -hmm. I guess I guess in the mind of maybe a younger Christian, maybe a carnal Christian, they would think, oh, I'm very comfortable on my couch in my living room. It's the exact same thing. I don't need to get in my car and drive and change and wear my suit and get ready. I could just do it right here. But unfortunately, it is not the same because there's a vast difference between an online uh, service and actually being in the house of God, in the temple of the Holy Spirit of God, where the Holy Spirit resides. And a lot of Christians have been deceived to think it's the same, uh, but it's absolutely not. So after the lockdowns, it does a lot of it come from laziness. And secondly, it comes from not giving God all of them. Uh, and the Bible says the greatest commandment is to give the Lord the, all thy soul, strength, heart, mind. So it's a proof that many Christians really haven't given them all, uh, you know, all of their entire being. So unfortunately, unless they repent and go back to the living house of God and where the Holy Spirit actually resides, their Christian walk will be very slow, very military, will only receive a fragment of what they could have got from God. Um, and the Bible mm -hmm. says that you shall be destroyed from lack of knowledge. And one of the greatest aspects of knowledge is the house of God. So, you know, it's, yes. a, multi, it's a multifaceted reason, laziness, call it lack of knowledge, call it lack of giving God their whole, whole heart. Uh, whatever the reason is, this must be addressed because this is a, a, a fallacy to a great degree because in actuality, in, in a spiritual premise, the house of God is primary in our Christian walk. Without having connectivity to the house of God, you really won't have a great, great walk with God. So I just hope these people, you know, whoever, wherever they are in the, whole, in the world, whether North America, whether in Europe, and whoever listens to this message, that they'll get enlightenment or illumination um, and go back to where their father wants them. And that is in the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Thank you for uh, just kind of giving us a summary or rundown of, of, of the problem and why <clears throat> we shouldn't really take not going to the house of God lightly. Right. Now, before we can really dive into uh, the importance of going to the modern day house of God, there's a lot of Christians actually who don't even know their biblical history. So I wanted us to first kind of, let's go back in time and let's look at the reverence that the people in the old covenant had for the house of God. Now, the difference, again, is in the Old Covenant, the, they really had nowhere else to meet with God. You know, like people couldn't just stay at home and, and the Holy Spirit ministered to them because the Holy Spirit would come upon only a few select people. And the Holy Spirit wasn't dwelling in them 
because their their bodies hadn't yet become the temple of the Holy Ghost. Right. But we do see a certain reverence that they all had for going to the house of God. Right. And I think some of, the, some of the traps that we fall into as new covenant believers is that it's almost as if the new covenant is something that we can take lightly. Mm-hmm. We, it, there seems to be Christians who, uh, instead of saying, hey, you don't have to carry goats and lambs and, and whatever to, the, <laughs> to go and atone for your sins, but you'll still see Christians not really taking time to repent and dust and cleanse themselves of, you know, unrighteous filth, you know, and, and there seems to be some lackadaisical attitude that we have with the new covenant. It's it's almost like we can get away with as many things as we can. So, right. I I just wanted for our believers almost kind of like give them a historical background of what the house of God meant to old covenant believers, because the reverence and honor and, and attention that was given to the house of God in the old covenant will remind modern day believers will remind new covenant believers today. Why going to the house of God is still important. Right. So in the beginning was the tabernacle. Now, the we first come across the tabernacle in Exodus chapter 25. So when the children of Israel had crossed over and were in the wilderness, God gave instructions on how to build the tabernacle after the pattern of the heavenly tabernacle. The tabernacle basically, for those who, who might be curious and saying, what does this mean? It was basically going to be like God's sanctuary. It's where the presence of God was going to dwell among his children. And so it was kind of like his throne room here on earth being modeled after the pattern that is in heaven. Now, I, I, I actually thought this would be pretty cool to throw in there. Uh, I do remember uh, back in Uganda, I think it was in like grade five. And we, I went to school with a king. Uh, in fact, he was in my class. And this young boy had become a king when he was young. He had inherited the throne. And he was in my class. And I remember that he didn't sit in the ordinary chairs that we all sat in. They, they would bring his throne into class and he would sit on it. And it was, I, I just remember as a young child, I was like, why does that boy sit on a different kind of chair than all of us? And eventually... As the school semester went on, it kind of dawned on me that, yeah, he was a king, right? And he was probably not the official throne, but just like we see here, it, it was a copy of the original. And it, it, there's something significant about transferring, how do you transfer reverence from heaven into the earth? Like God, that's why God gave specific instructions on how to build the tabernacle and all the things that were in there. So likewise, the tabernacle is going to be this place where the presence of God dwelt among the children of Israel. So before we kind of talk about how God is really very detailed in in the instructions that he gave to Moses and how they should build the tabernacle, and then we can kind of relay that to why it's even important to go to the house because of how the house is made. I'll just quickly read through here some of the instructions that he gave to them. 
and this is from Exodus chapter 25. And it says in verse one, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart, you shall take my offering. There, you know how like in the new covenant it says God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah. That's always been yeah, that, that you can see was the first thing that he said. Whoever offers it willingly with his heart, mm-hmm. you shall take it from, you basically you shall take it from them. Yes. And he goes on to say, and this is the offering that you will take from them. Gold, silver, and bronze. Blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair. Ram skins dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood. Oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and for the sweet incense. Onyx stones and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, you just so you shall make it. In fact, in another translation, like how it says, it says, have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so that I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according to the pattern I will show you. Mm. Wow. What do you have to say to that? Well, based on how much of a detailed instruction that he gave Moses, because he told them how to drape it, how to put all the stones in it, exactly how he wanted the tabernacle. You can see and and understand how important it is to the heart of God himself so Mm. that he can actually, because God doesn't just dwell anywhere. God doesn't just dwell mm-hmm. in a mall. God just doesn't dwell in your house. God just doesn't dwell on the street. No, God dwells in a place of almost perfection. So uh, his his detailed uh, instruction shows how, A, how important it is to him, B, how glorious it is in the heavenly realms, and mm-hmm. C, how important it is to us. Because if it's that important to him, it should be that important to us. So... You know, every person has a home. You have a home. I have a home. The listeners have a home. And the home that you live in is important to you. That's where you live. That's where you reside. That's where you have experiences. That's where you grow. So it's the same with God. Um, Mm. And nothing, you know, since the days of Moses, since the days of Exodus, thousands, like thousands of years have passed. But the Bible says that I am the Lord. I change if not. And that he's the same forever, yesterday, and today, forever, yesterday, and forevermore. Meaning that nothing has changed. The relevancy of the temple of God is still exactly the same as it was in the days of Exodus. The only thing that has actually changed is the value, the generation, the value the Christians in the world have placed it. And it's it's their own fault. But nothing has changed with God. The relevancy of the temple in the days where they were sacrificing bulls and and goats for the atonement of sins of man before the resurrection work of Jesus Christ, it is still that relevant. And I want you to know it's not just relevant, it's critical. So the detailed uh, instruction shows how important it is to God himself, because God 
is as a mm. person. He's a spirit. He has feelings. He has emotions. He has likes. He has dislikes. He has character. So as your house is important to you, his house is important to him. And if it's important to him, better know and better understand it's important to our future. It's important to our destiny. And it's important to our ever-growing relationship with God. So never, ever underestimate the value of God's house. In fact, it's actually, you know, the Bible says that we have an arch adversary and we have a, you know, an enemy. It's the enemy that has somehow, some way, strategically, subliminally undervalued and underestimated the importance of God house, God's house in the minds of millions of Christians in the world. Because the enemy himself knows how important God's house is. So that's what he's done. He's taken the most important. I know it sounds a little bit oxymoronic, but what he's done is he's taken the most critical, important, foundational part of our whole Christian walk and trapped them as many human minds as possible not to value, value it as ought to, not to put as much weight as ought to, nowhere near. But a real Christian that has understanding, that has love for God, that wants to be trained by God, that wants to repent, and that wants all the blessings of Christianity. They know the importance of God, God's house. And they don't, they don't mess with it. They don't miss services. <coughs> they don't even come late for services. They know how important it is in their walk with God. So just know it's very important. It's very, it's very, it's very important. <laughs> yeah. Um, now... So, so we've established. Now, another interesting thing that we, we should probably talk about is, you know, it's the, the, I'm not going to say overtly new covenant believers, but some believers who are kind of seem to put the statutes or the character or behavior or instructions that we do see in the old covenant. Well, they might argue, you know, they might say, yeah, but the scripture also says that right now we are the temple of the living God. But it also says that where where two or three are gathered, I'm in their midst. And there, uh, we, we both agree that there, there is a heightened anointing and power and flow and movement and manifestation in the presence of the Lord when his children are gathered together. It's almost like, I think the way I'll think of it is, is if you're going to receive from a king, where would be the best place to meet a king? Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you, if you wanted to have an appointment, let's say with a king, the best place to meet him or a queen would be at their palace. Correct. Because they, they're probably mo most comfortable there and you would, you would have access, everything that they own and, and, and basically the glory, the honor that they can show, like you would feel, you'll get a better, uh, let me say, uh, kind of like experience at a king's palace than if you ask the king to come over to your house. <laughs> Well, go to any natural or national king in the world. You're not, you're not going to just be like, oh, king, come to my house and give me what you have. <laughs> um, that's insanity. So if a, natural, if a natural king wouldn't do that, 
or a governmental king wouldn't do that. Why would you think that the almighty king would do that? God is the same. He expects you to come where he resides uh, mm. and, and, and to experience him in his palace where he resides, to see his power, his glory, his wonder, and his works and manifestation where he resides. He doesn't just come to you. No. No, that's, you know, who has more rank, a simple man or God, the creator of the universe? So mm-hmm. people need to understand that God is like a person. He may be invisible. He may be in the spiritual realm. He may be a spirit himself. The Bible says that David was after the heart of God. So God has a heart, and every single heart has thoughts, perceptions, emotions, likes, dislikes, attributes, characters, the same way a human is. Uh, so yeah. a, a mistake that Christians make is they put this, they put God in this almost like a statue God that he's just almighty and he's just has no feelings and he has no emotions. But if you look at the Bible, the Bible is hundreds or, or if not thousands of laws saying, don't do this and do this. That should show you that that's the perception and attitude of God or his likes and dislikes. So, uh, of course, um, if you're going to go to a king that has all the resources to give to whoever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, to as many people as he wants, the, uh, the simple commoner, the king is not just going to come with all his armies and his, his, you know, his chariots to your house and knock on your door. No, you're going to go to the king. Yeah. And, and it's exactly this. It's the exact same way as it is in the natural. It mm. also is in the spiritual. So we have to have that understanding that we go to God's palace to, to everything God can do for us and wants to do for us. It resides there. It's not in your house. It's not in my house. It's not on the street. It's not in the mall. It's in his house. Yeah. There is a the, 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 there is a greater chance, and that's why you you never hear of. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to say you never hear of, or it can happen, or it can't happen, but you always hear of the mind blowing uh, miracles that we've had. Uh, you know that we hear about always happen in places like revivals. There is it's almost like when one believer brings their faith to the temple, to the house of God, and another believer brings the faith and you all add your faith and you, there's that intensity that it's almost like there's just so much honor when I come in and I bow down and someone else comes in and, and they bow down and we all open up our hearts in worship and, and before the almighty God, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, that he, he, it's just inevitable that he's going to move. Which, yeah. which, which can be very hard if you're at home by yourself. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it's hard to put on a better show. Uh, just one man. It's basically one, one man or one woman band is, is, is very difficult to get the crowd and, and, and the king on his feet. But um, when there's many of us, I think it, it just... Um, inevitably leads to greater manifestation. Now, one of the things since we're talking about the temple and, 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 and the importance of coming to God's house is these, let, let's talk a little bit about expectation because as, as Christians, we also got to have, 
we got to have this expectation when we are coming into the house of God. Right. And I think we see that a lot in the old covenant. And I think that's why they had a lot of reverence and so many wonderful things happen in the house of God is, is they would prepare themselves. They'll prepare their offerings before, before, beforehand. They'll dress a certain way and they would go in with this hunger. It, right. it was almost like for them. In fact, it is, it, it, I, I remember the scene in, in, in the book of John where Jesus and, and the woman in Samaria, where she's complaining that, you know, they, they got to go the whole way to Jerusalem to, to worship. And it, like, it's, it's, it, you know, it's a long journey, but also sometimes they kind of make it hard for them to go over there. And, and then Jesus was like, you know, um, the time is changing when, you know, God is spirit. And then the worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But you can see that she was sad that it's almost like the temple was so far away from them, you know, that they had to do these long commutes. But there seemed to be this expectation every time, especially during the different festivals as well. Man, there was so much heightened expectation. So let, let's briefly talk about this. Uh, there's a lot to cover here, but let's just jump into some uh, expectation when coming to the house of God. I, I will present you with a scenario here. Um, there, it comes from, uh, I think maybe you can talk about uh, the Lord knowing what's in the hearts of the people who are coming. And, uh, you know, he, the Holy Spirit knows what the basic expectation temperature is of the audience. What, what do you have to say to our expectation when we are coming into the house of God? Well, I guess you would have two. There, you would have two types of Christians coming into the house of God: the one with expectation for God to manifest uh, and fix their desires, fix their issues, and the other uh, that would just come with no expectation and just come because they believe God is there. One act is spiritual, and the other act is carnal. One act will. Uh, almost ensure a very quick, speedy flow of the Holy Spirit to that person's direction. The other one could be a little bit stagnant because of mm-hmm. lack of expectation. So, if you're going to go meet, you know, the King of, uh, you know, if you're going to go see uh, the the President of the USA, who has, who's a billionaire and who has basically the whole country in his hands, it's almost a little bit foolish to not go expecting something from from the man or expecting some sort of ministration from the man or you know something that to get from him and so it's almost a waste of time to go meet somebody in a very powerful position just because they're powerful and not be able to draw from that meeting mm-hmm. so, this, so the same was is with god and believe it or not it's not sin it's actually beautiful it's actually holy and it's a mindset that god enjoys because to come before the almighty god with his almighty power and with all the resources that he has and not expect something from him is actually it's a it's 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 as an insult to him because that's how powerful he is. Um, it is. It so, is and and just 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 so just to add in something you said something very powerful. I just quickly want to add add this in here. Hold your <laughs> thought. Um you say something about if you're gonna meet someone in authority, someone in power, it is very stupid 
very ignorant and naive to go in without any expectation. Now, even if you're not going in with the expectation that I'm going to leave with, let's say, a million dollars, but even yeah. just going in with the expectation of saying, I am going to learn from this person. In fact, I, I, I had a story about a, there's a certain man of God and he went out to lunch uh, with a certain billionaire. I, I won't mention their name, but he went out to lunch with this billionaire and he said that for one and a half hours, I think he didn't say more than 20 words. <laughs> he said, he said a lot of people would go in there and they'll try to be talking about, uh, about themselves. Right. But he said he, he went in there. What's very ironic is, is that the billionaire, the billionaire is kind of like, uh, one, like personal assistant or one of their billionaires managers heard about like a team management talk that this man of God was giving. Like it was like, it was about like a leadership training course. So he said, wow, that's some really interesting things. Why don't we set up a meeting with him and, and let's see if he can do that for some of our employees at our company. So this was like a conversation to get that going. And he said, he went in there, but his expectation was, I'm going in to learn. But the other person's the one who requested the meeting, but he had reverence for him. Right. And he said, I want to know what's inside this man's brain, how he thinks, and all of this. And for one and a half hours, he barely said anything. Right. But now, if we're going into the house of God, we're going into the presence of almighty God who can change your life at the drop of a hat. In fact, before even the hat drops, how much more expectation should we have, you know, going to the presence of someone who can change your life in one second. Right. That's what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've, I've spent a lot of time in, in my upbringing in living churches and mm -hmm. I've really bared witness by my own eyes and evidence, the difference between a, a, a Christian that comes in with no expectation. When you come in with no expectation, it's a religious act. When you come in with expectation, it's a spiritual act. And God himself, the Bible says that Jesus knows the heart of all men. So God, before you even walk in, he's already looking at your expectation. The second you walk in, now he's saying, oh, this one has expectation. He, he knows that I'm powerful. He knows It's that reverence. It's an act of reverence to it's walk in. It's an act of reverence. It's an act of respect. Yes. Yeah, it's an act of respect. And it's, it's, it's beneficial for your own destiny, for your own life. So, you know, it's very, it's obviously when you become saved or born again, at the beginning, you won't really understand. But a time comes as you continue to come to the house of God, you, you need to start developing an expectation. And what I can tell you is that when God sees that expectation per service, the spirit of God will want to come and because God himself is hungry to perform. God himself is hungry to manifest. God himself wow. is hungry to fix your issues. But you have to meet him halfway. When you don't have expectation, you're not meeting him halfway. When you have expectation, now you're meeting him halfway. And he gets excited and he's like, okay, he actually believes. Okay, I'm going to fix his issue. So mm. expect expectation really sets the platform 
of continual testimonies in the house of God, service by service. It's a very, it's just a simple mindset, but it's a mindset that's spiritual and it's a mindset that you must adopt. And even when you get the mindset of expectation, that expectation hunger can grow. You can grow it. And you just come in there so over the top hungry for him to fix your issue, and he will. So um, now, since 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 we are on the subject of expectation and how to enter into the house of God, and I and I know we shall cover, we shall really we shall really dive into a lot of these things um, uh, further along. But if if we wanted to kind of just highlight this whole thing, because if, if someone listens to this, I want them to kind of be like, okay, I really want to learn more about what these guys are talking about. What are some of the, uh, you know, what are some of the ways that you would encourage people to, how would you tell them, okay, here's how you can increase your expectation. And maybe here's how you should prepare to come into the house of God. Oh, well, Again, let's use the analogy of going to see a natural king. King or president. Yeah, you're going to see the pre- king or president and your, your meeting is at 3 p.m. Are you going to just like at 2.59 just pop, pop, pop on all your clothes and go to the castle and you haven't thought about it? You haven't prepared? No, of course not. That would be the definition of stupidity. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, even a, a person that's going to a job interview they're, they're preparing the day before, the week before, two days before. If you're going to see your simple parents-in-law, your wife's parents, you prepare. Um, you know, you prepare your discussion. You prepare your appearance. You prepare your character because you want to make a good impression. So even when we meet these human beings that have, you know, some sort of authority, we prepare. How ironic that when we go meet God, not many people prepare. But preparation is the proof of your expectation. So wow. uh, um, some simple ways that um, that you should prepare before you go to church. And I know these things may seem simple. And I, and I know they, they may seem like they're just not that important, not that weighty. But believe me, they are. Um, you know, one way is, is uh, first of all, you need, you need to pray before you go to church. You need to pray before the day of service. You need to have some time in prayer, whether it's 10 minutes, whether it's an hour, because that ensures your connectivity to God in the temple. That ensures that you, you know, in Amos 4.12, the Bible says, Israel, prepare to meet thy Lord. So one of the ways we prepare is by praying. And it's just, you can't go to, 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 to the church not have prayed before because you won't be connected in the service. So it's a very simple way mm-hmm. you, you pray before service. Another simple way um, is because God is a king and he doesn't like it when you come before him empty-handed. Because the Bible says uh, three times a year they've come before me. Do not come empty-handed. And, sure. the Bible talks, and the Bible talks about offerings. And the Bible talks about tithes. Another simple way is just to prepare your offering. Have it ready. Have it in an envelope. Have it sealed. Have it in your pocket. So that you don't come in there lackadaisically and you don't come in there looking stupid without it. And God is seeing you run around without it and frantic without it. Or you just don't care without it. No. God is seeing you when you are you walk in confident. When you walk yes. in ready to put it in the altar bowl. 
And these things, these two things that I have just told you, really attract the ministration of the Holy Spirit of God to your direction. How Finally, about... Uh-huh, okay, keep going. And, and one more thing I'll, I'll tell you is, of course, dress the part. You're going to in front of a king. If Again, let's use another national or uh, carnal example. But if you go see the president of Canada or the president of USA, you're going to dress as best as you possibly can. In fact, you're going to go buy a brand new suit because you want to dress to impress. Every person will, whether male, whether female, you're going to put on the best dress, the best gown, and you're going to do your darndest best to look well. Well, it's the same with God. We, we need to dress our best. We need to put on our best suit, our best tie, our best dress shirt. We need to do our hair the best. You see how simple Christianity actually is? No, you can't go in there with, with the president to go in front of the presence of, of the most powerful being, spirit person in the universe and go in your joggers. You Why? wouldn't do that. But people come to church like that. Exactly, because it's carnality. And they don't, they don't, they don't have divine consciousness. They don't have a consciousness of his presence. They don't understand. But the Bible is very clear on, on, on the way that you dress before him. So these three little things, you pray before, you have your offering before, and you dress well for service. The difference between a person that does that and a person that doesn't do any of those things is night and day. God will, um, God yeah. will just leave the person that, does, that ha, has not prepared at all and come immediately to the one that has prepared. Because Amos 4.12 says, Israel, prepare to meet thy Lord. Prepare, prepare, prepare. This is three spiritual, simple, foundational ways that we need to prepare as children of God that impact God's touch in our life speedily. Absolutely. Uh, may I add uh, fasting? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you you. Your food consumption before you came to the house of God should not be uh, glutinous. No, 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 no. Definitely not. You know, the Bible talks about when you fast, not if you fast. And, you know, Jesus himself was a, a, a fasting machine. Moses was a fasting machine. And um, again, like when you pray before service, it connects you to God. But when you fast before service, it also connects you to God in that service. So you'll have what it takes to get what God wants to do or receive the blessing, the healing, the deliverance, the ministration, however God wants to do it. You'll have what it takes to receive it because of hyper-connectivity. So essentially, the day of service is the day of fasting and prayer. Um, and it, when it becomes your ritual, when it becomes the, what you do service by service, and you don't just do it once a month or once every two months, you know, without structure, when it becomes you, the touch of God on your life will be life will be so dramatic that even your own salvation mates will be baffled at the way you're changing and 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 being touched by God, and and the and the way your Christianity is galloping forward, all because you've decided to fast, pray, give, and dress nice for service, while nobody else, nobody else is doing it, and you'll even have some that understand it but they still don't care or have the reverence to do it because they haven't given him their true heart. But a Christian that has given him their true heart, they, 
They don't just do it. They do it delightsomely. They do it excitingly. They do it happily. They do it willingly. And they do it knowing what they're able to draw out of heaven. And the difference is, the difference is uh, plain to the eyes of everybody to see between the one that does and the one that doesn't. Wow. Uh, and just to quickly maybe uh, wrap this up, uh, because we have a lot more episodes coming up. I'm, I'm really excited about this series is just for, just so to clarify for our believers, we are not saying, uh, because I know from experience and it's very interesting that I remember even when we were growing up that uh, we would wake up on Sunday and we would almost try to have a feast before going to church. No wonder <laughs> we were always late. Like, like, uh. I, <laughs> Mommy, I love you. Sorry, I'm not trying to sell anyone out here. Dad and mom, uh, I, I love you. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. we would honestly wake up and, you know, there'll, there'll first of all be so many of us that have to get ready, blah, blah, blah. But on top of that, uh, my parents, I don't know why we had this family tradition whereby we would all, uh, everybody will wake up and we'll make this big meal before going to church, no. fry these, fry, make these, make that, make this. And then you'll sit down and eat this whole thing. You'll clean up the dishes. By the time you're done, like now you have to shower, get ready, get in the car. We lived a little bit ways from church. So most, like we would be late. Right. And, and I'm just looking back and I'm like, how ignorant. Yeah. That was of us to, to wake up and think that, the most important thing on that day should have been basically these four things. You basically saying, wake up as a house, as, as a family, pray. Yes. Prepare our offerings, uh, just dress up, and uh, pretty much I would also say, write down our prayer requests and say, okay, you're going to the house of God. Like, what are you, what prayer requests are you walking in with? And right. the, the fasting part, probably for people who are saying fasting, no, you don't have to eat a huge meal. A lot of people, even until up to probably like three years ago, I would, I should actually confess, probably up to like two years ago, I would always feel like I have to eat a huge meal before church. Right. But I was ignorant, yet I had to do it the other way around. Yes. Yeah. You actually want to go in with a hungry spirit because if you go in and you're, you're satisfied, all your mental faculties, your whole focus is going. Your, your body is just going to be focusing on digestion. You're not going right. to pay attention to what the, uh, to what the preacher, the pastor, the priest, the man of God, is 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 talking about. Correct. And your spirit won't be connected because fasting, denying your body food, physical food, activates the spirit. Right. It does activate the spirit. And so I, I actually believe that in, in, the, in, 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 in the Bible, in one of the Gospels, when Jesus and the three come down from the mountain and then they find his other disciples who were just left there and says, <laughs> the father says, I brought my boy to your disciples, but they couldn't cast out the demon where he went and said, this kind comes not out by prayer and fasting. I do believe that those guys, because think about it, they had cast out demons and devils before. 
So there must have been something that probably changed in their routine. I don't know. Maybe they didn't weren't in their normal routine because the father and the three were up, were up on the mountain. Uh, right. The Lord and, and the other three disciples were up on the mountain. But um, so just as a wrap up, we're talking about the importance of the house of God. And we are going to keep on kind of going back and forth between the old covenant and the new covenant showing how the old house of God, the tabernacle, the temple of the, of the Lord was built in the old covenant and seeing how miracles happened in the house of God in the old covenant, the reverence that people had towards going to the house of God and kind of going back and forth between what as new covenant believers and believers in the year 2022, how we should mirror the same reverence that we see from believers in the old covenant. And just to uh, summarize the kind of main takeaways for episode is as you go into the house of God, you need to have an expectation. You need to kind of have it in your mind that you're going to meet the most powerful being in the universe. And if you would do that, you would have a certain kind of reverence and expectation if you were going to meet a president or a king of a country, how much more should you have expectation, reverence, and honor before you go into the house of God? And Christian shared that here are four ways that you can prepare. Because I think you said something. I didn't catch it quite clearly. But I think, let me paraphrase it. I think you said preparation is proof of expectation. I don't know if that's what you said, but it was something along those lines. Yeah, that is correct. It's proof that you're ready to receive the touch of God and ready, you're ready for God to, you know, mm -hmm. heal your wounds, fix your life. You know, you're ready for him. You're ready. You're ready. You're ready. You're ready for him. Preparation is yeah. the proof. And the four ways that you told us that you would encourage anyone listening to this, let's say... Put these four things into practice before you go to the house of God on Sunday or whenever is the next time you're going to the house of God. If you're listening to this, pray before you go into the house of God. Don't leave all the prayer until you are inside the temple or inside the church. No. Right. Set aside some time before you go into service, yeah. probably an hour or two hours before, sit down and pray. Praying opens up your spirit, realigns your spirit with the spirit of God. It basically, it, praying is like hooking up to Wi-Fi. Every time you pray, you are hooking up to God's Wi-Fi, right? God is Wi-Fi. Basically, think of it like that. You're basically setting up a connection. So pray before you go into the house of God. Uh, prepare your offering beforehand and uh, dress the part. Don't just show up into the house of God in, in Lululemons and joggers and, and, and whatever you, you feel like as if you're going to watch a ball game. Right. And then also do not eat too much food on the day of service. Try to space yourself out. You know, if you know you're going to go to service, try to say, I'm not going to eat something heavy. Don't eat something heavy. Don't go into the house of God full. Don't go in with a full stomach. And if possible, even, it's better for you to at least fast on the day of service. You know, you can consume liquids, but the, the less physical food in your belly, the better for you. 
because you will have a heightened spirit. You will have an active spirit ready to receive from God. Christian, are there any last words that you want to share with us before we close out this episode? Well, you know, Christians, that what they... They're all, they're all, they focus on the praying and they focus on the evangelism and they focus on the worship and, and, and studying the Bible. And all, of course, these, these, these are foundational, critical parts of the Bible. But some of the Bible can be so, so simple, yet life-changing. And, you know, you could have a, a Christian that, that prays and fasts for 40 days but never goes to church. Or you can have a, a Christian that worships God for eons but they disrupt the man of God in service. Or you can have a, a Christian that, you know, evangelizes to thousands of people a day, but he comes to church in his joggers. You know, mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to understand that some of the, simpli- the, 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 the oversimplistic part of Christianity is just as weighty as the praying and fasting, as the evangelism, as the worship. Why? Because those the simple things that I just mentioned like the dressing the part and the preparing your offering because it's showing reverence for who he truly is and he's very serious he's very serious about that particular area you're showing respect for who he truly is so he doesn't really just it's really important to him so never under underestimate the the seemingly minute spiritual acts dressing nice to church is very powerful Praying before church, even 10 minutes, is very powerful. Fasting before church, even just eating a little bit, is very powerful. And preparing your offering is very powerful. And and if you have all these four things uh, attributed in your spiritual walk and your spiritual arsenal compared to everybody else in your church that doesn't do any of these things, how do you think your life's going to be the same? It's not at all. It's going to be vastly different, and the difference will show. Um, the only difference is that you had the willingness and the desire to implement the, this wisdom. And the Bible says to be doers of the word, not hearers only. One of the problems with Christianity is everybody, and the Bible says that in the, in the, in the last days, they shall be ever learning, never, never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Ever learning. They just hear the word. They just hear the word. They just hear the word. They don't practice it. It's something that God doesn't like. But a, a, a simple-minded Christian, a heart of a child, even like, you know, uh, the Bible says that uh, the young lad had, had, had the, 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 the five loaves and the three fishes. The young lad, the heart of a child, had the answer, had the key in that moment that saved thousands of lives. So when you, when you just have a, an, an innocence to you, a meekness to you, and you just do what you're taught, I tell you, you go very, very far. So what I, the last thing I want to say is don't ever under, uh, underestimate some simple spiritual ins- instructions because believe it or not, they are just as powerful as the ones that you put so much weight on. Dressing before God in a particular way is so, so powerful. So these four things, the Bible says, test the Lord and see if he's good. So test it and see how your, your, your time in church changes test it and see if the administration of the holy spirit in your particular church in your particular region city wherever you are see if that day something else happens than what you are accustomed to for all these eons and years going to church with no preparation no expectation and really just like a statue well you go to church like a statue god is god turns himself into a statue 
but you go to yeah i think that will be that will be something very important for us to to cover uh in the next episode about that the god meets us in his temple the way we come to him if we come in as a statue we're gonna get a statue reaction from him if we come in angry he's gonna be angry towards us so exactly brother i i just really want to thank you for sharing uh this knowledge with us as always it's good to have you on the show you always bring a lot of uh revelation knowledge and truth and i believe people need to hear this so thank you so much thank you so much and uh look forward to the next episode let's do it again anytime let's do it again okay bye for now stay blessed thank you for having me okay have a good night this was episode one of the importance of god's house in the next episode We'll continue building upon the four key principles that can rekindle the fire of your expectation to manifest the power of God when you go into the Lord's house. To recap, the four principles were number one, praying beforehand on service days. Number two, preparing your offering before service. Number three, fasting on service days or limiting your food consumption before service. And number four, dress the part. Try to put some effort into your church attire. Your host for today was Calvin Cavanda. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode. Jealousy and pride Try to be my friend I look them in the eyes And tell them no again Hit the road, leave my sight I don't wanna hear from you tonight When lured by the lust The whispers to my mind When I hear it laugh I can make you hide Chance against my king, yeah. Cause greater is he, greater is he, greater is he that's in me and he that's in the world. When sorrow takes my hand, inviting me to run.